What's up, everybody? I'm Brian Wayne, and welcome to the Cheers to Comics podcast. This week, we have another installment of Trade Negotiations. And the topic of discussion will once again be Chew by John Lehman and Rob Gillery. Uh, at this point, we are now at Volume 3, Just Desserts. And it has not gotten in worse at all. It gets better. The story is just amazing. So let's start out with Chapter 1. Uh, we start out with, and, and really the most Chew fashion, where it starts out where pretty much like the end of the book at the beginning. And this particular story starts out with Chu and a re- Tony Chu in a restaurant with his beloved Amelia Mintz covered in blood. Continuing on, uh, next couple pages is clearly a flashback because we got a bunch of cavemen tackling uh, uh, mammoth and um, what do they call a uh, saber-toothed tigers and shit. So, obviously still a flashback, but just kind of giving you a little bit of a hint as to uh, what the fuck's going to be happening. And then we carry on to our story. At this point, Tony is back on the job. He's not on the island anymore chasing that weird plant, because that whole plant has been torched. We'll get to a little bit more of that later in this, but they they barely touch on that. Um, but, like I said, it's he's back. And his uh, his boss, Mr. Appleby, is a lot more chummy than usual. And we uh, we find out why that is, actually, later on. Uh, there was something that kind of clued it in in the last volume. While Tony was out doing his thing, uh, his partner, Colby, had to pretty much appease and make Appleby happy. And in that scene, we see them all... Uh, they're in the same bed together, and I'm not sure... I didn't know how to take that. We'll get to more of that later. Fact is... Boss is happy. He goes up and he's like, Hey, Chu, uh, how's your new ear? And does it match your skin tone this time? Because the last prosthetic he got, the boss went out of his way to make sure that he, uh, he he didn't get the right skin tone, so it clearly looked odd. So now his skin tone matches and blah 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 And uh, we transfer over to Kobe, doing his job. Phone rings as Chu's confronting him about why Applebee is so nice all of a sudden. And Kobe's trapped like, ah, say by the bell, gets on the phone, and then we get this mysterious figure on the other end talking in code, and code such as the quiet man needs to come from the cold, and the frog man is reaching the boiler point, and uh, the quiet man needs uh, blah, 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 and then <laughs> Kobe's like, you know, uh, prank caller, prank caller, and he flips the fuck out, and then... Uh, he gets a hint, the, or, and then, you know, it's off to the next mission. And the next mission takes place at a racetrack. And they find a dead body there. Someone finds a dead body. It's up to the FDA to investigate. So they do their thing. This dead body is sitting in the stables of the the racetrack. And he's got a pitchfork through his heart and a varmint down his throat. And seemingly it's just a rat. But um, Colby, with his cybernetic ways, is able to detect that it's not just any rat. It's a gray-tailed pygmy martin. And apparently that's uh, super fucking endangered. And it seems to be like it's um, being that it was shoved down his throat. This is normal insignia of he was, a rat shoved down his throat. It would be insignia of he was getting ready to squeal, so they took him out beforehand. But being that this is not a rat, this is something a much higher level species of varmint, rodent, 
it's uh the the they'll hunt on that or they'll touch on that later on. But that's I like how they they say, oh this is something weird and they just carry on. Meanwhile, they got to get the hell out of there because they got other they got the USDA showing up and that's pretty much the FDA's um evil twin brother, if you will. Like I explained earlier, it'd be like how the CIA and the FBI it's like they don't necessarily work together very well. So yeah, that whole thing's happening. Uh, meanwhile, they investigate on, uh, or, well, before they show up, Tony's like, oh, I better take a bite out of this body before the USDA show up. So he does, and he's like, oh, Amelia, uh, his, uh, his, his girlfriend. So that's, that's all we get out of that. So he, he realizes that she, she would have a hint as to the whereabouts of Zakila. And we also get a clue as to who this dead body is. This dead body is the son of none other than uh, Senator, I'm going to butcher the name, uh, Haman Chantan. Uh, let me try that one more time. Haman Tatsun, whatever. Uh, he, he, was, he was in the last couple of volumes. He did. Well, this is his son. Dead. So, let's figure out what that's all about. So, they go to Amelia. She is now working again, and she's a reporter. She's not just doing food reports now. She's actually doing investigative reporting. And the reason why they are led to her is because she just so happened to have been doing a piece on the 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 feller that was murdered. Turns out that he is a member of a very exclusive group called the Diners Club, and they meet twice a year to eat on some fancy meats and animals what ain't alive no more. Well, that kind of gives a little bit more indication as to why this endangered species was shoved down the body, the corpse's throat instead of um, a rat. So, eh, was cluing in a little bit more. And Amelia's like, well, check it out. Uh, the the de- uh, the son was actually, he, he was invited as a, um, well, he was a member just because, by association, because his daddy was a member. And he went in and immediately didn't like it, so he wanted to expose them. He was going to use Amelia to help expose. Well, before he could get his, uh, or before whoever took him down, assuming the diner's club, took out uh, the senator's son, um, he's still able to get an invitation out to Amelia, plus one, for the next biannual feasting, which just so happened to be right around the corner. So they show up, Tony's intent is to take them down, um, and that he does, he, he, uh, he sits to, or he goes down to sit to eat, and the guys come around, or actually, let me back up just a bit, as they're walking into the restaurant, they, they see a bunch of articles on the wall pertaining to, uh, um, uh, endangered species, and as it turns out, the, this very exclusive club was, is actually responsible for the dodo going extinct, because on the, the, the the DNA or last eggs of the dodo bird as they were being flown out to the sanctuary to be preserved, the plane would mysteriously go missing, and along with a few other things. So as it turns out, maybe these animals aren't necessarily extinct, but through centuries going back to the caveman era, which I'll touch on that in a second, they, um, yeah, so maybe this group has been responsible for actually not necessarily instinctifying, but keeping these species all to themselves to breed to eat. That's fucking deep, man. Well, um, as, as they serve their first meal, it's, it's given to them as, what is it, like mammoth and, uh, oh shoot. 
Mammoth and something. And Tony takes a bite and he's like, oh, dog, this ain't mammoth. This is Sabretooth Tiger. With a hint of semi-digested caveman. But that's all I need. Freeze under arrest, motherfuckers. Bam. Well, one of the, the diners takes Amelia by knife and by the throat. And he was like, dog, I spent so much money and I waited so long to eat me some Sabretooth Tiger caveman. Uh, I'm not letting that happen. So he's got Amelia by, uh, by the throat. And Tony, all of a sudden, is a motherfucking marksman. Bam, bam, two shots right through the eyes. Dead. And then we go back to, the, remember that beginning page when they're in a restaurant and Amelia's all covered in blood? And Tony's like, oh, I've had better first dates. Here we are. So that is chapter one. Throwing down a lot right there. Um, and, oh, actually the last page is Tony, like, super happy, laying in bed with Amelia, with a big old shitting grin on his face. Mm, got some money. So, yeah, no, it's, uh... <laughs> I, I, I dug this, this issue very much. I think this would be issue 11 now at this point. But, yeah, chapter 1 of the third volume. Fucking badass. Let's move on to chapter 2. Chapter 2, it starts out with... I like how it says the page... It starts out with a warning. saying the pages got shuffled in this book. This is actually page 18. And it shows a mysterious gangsta-looking figure um, with a gun on a man at a desk and two big bodyguards there and a cage on the right-hand side of the frame uh, with a crown on it. Mm, remember the, the fighting bird from that one volume that we talked about that last time? It's coming up. Then also, boom, bulletproof uh, glass comes up at the desk and the guy on the other end of the bulletproof glass is like, oh, free sucker. And then we got the other feller... Who's holding the gun? Uh, I was like, oh, dude, I, I still got this. And then we go forward. Out, out of sequence, again. I like how this is bouncing around, but it's still not hard to follow. Like, I dig that. I, I, I totally dig that. So now at this point, we've got this weird announcer guy. I wouldn't say weird, but it's an odd scene where we got an announcer guy announcing a fight. And then in a whole different color scheme, we got a feller that looks somewhat familiar in a dark alley. And then the frames go back and forth between the fight announcer and the, the back alley brawl. And it's this guy in the alley just gets the shit kicked out of him and left for dead. And the announcer's like, oh, winner. Well, it turns out the announcer's not announcing the back alley brawl, obviously. He's announcing, boy the fighting cock that kicks a lot of ass. And the figure that looks somewhat familiar in the alley was a gentleman tied to Poyo. The last time we saw him, he was leaving an island as a copper with Poyo. So, that all tied together, but now we're back in the now time. And we've got Tony and Amelia, they're having dinner, and this is where they touch on the, the, the Gallsberry that's not a thing anymore on the island that got burned up and blah, blah, blah. And it gets to the point where Amelia, like, so throughout this book, Amelia's like, so I bet you're hungry for something that's not beets. I wrote this tasty-ass story. You should check it out. And Tony's like, oh, damn, phone call, gotta go. So then he goes to investigate uh, on another story. So he's kind of leaving Amelia high and dry again. And that's not the first time that happens throughout this story. Well, the thing he's going to investigate is the, the damn near dead body found in that alley, and it, rem it was Raymond Kulolo, like we said, the former cop. Well, it turns out this ain't no cop. This is actually a grifter, and as Applebee's giving his little rundown or spiel or whatever the hell he calls it 
Uh, Tony, he, he knows a lot. He just didn't know he was a grifter. So Applebee keeps getting upset. And he's like, ooh, Frabo, let me calm down, let me calm down. And he gets all nice again for a second. And then Kobe, like, reaches over Tony's shoulder. He's like, dude, I think I like him better when he just, like, full-out fucking hated you. Because normally, like, this, 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 so far this volume is not the way Applebee would normally treat you. The first two volumes, he's a fucking dick. Well, like I said, ever since he came back and Kobe was in bed with him, well, he a bit nicer. Well, can confirm, well, I guess... Later on. Yeah, no. At the next page, we, we do confirm that... Well, almost confirm. And they don't actually come out and say it. But Tony's like, dude, I didn't tell you to sleep with him. And he was like, well, I took care of it. And just right on point, Applebee walks in. But he's got D-Bear with him. You know, D-Bear and Colby, they got, like, an arrangement. D-Bear owes Colby money because of the whole thing. That was all Volume 2 stuff. You gotta listen to the podcast. Um... So, but Applebee's like, check it out, here's your partner, fool. Well, remember D-Bear had a little bit of a um, an in with the FDA, that's why Savoy and Volume 1 was like, oh, he's, he's untouchable right now, he's, he's in something bigger than you. Well, it turns out he is kind of in with the FDA, He's he knows some shit on some people, he's got an in with someone. Well, Applebee was like, oh, here's your partner now, you gotta go do some stuff. So then we see that character, the the mysterious character that would have pulled a gun on that guy in the desk in the the, the first couple pages. Well, he's sitting at a thing with D Bear now. Turns out that's true under undercover. I thought it was great because I actually thought it was uh, Colby for the longest time. I got confused. I had to go back and I had to like look at some facial features a little better. He's just well disguised. I thought it was because he got a blonde wig and he looks all looks like a white dude is what it comes down to. But yeah, no, um, D-Bear's pretty much explaining, he's like, I'm in with him, we're gonna go in, we're gonna do this thing, uh, we're gonna extract information from this feller, his name is, uh, fucking, what is it, oh, the butcher, naturally, naturally, so, they're gonna take him down for something, and as they go in there, right off the bat, the butcher's like, oh yeah, you, weird dude, who I don't know, um, leave the suitcase, you go. Suitcase has 40 grand in it, by the way. It was to grease the wheels. Um, so they have this whole thing. Uh, it's classic undercover bullshit. Not bullshit, but work. Well, uh, Butcher wants D-Bear in the room alone because he's got beef with him. Well, hmm, that's weird. Tony ain't having it. Bam, bam. Fucking, uh... Pulls the gun. I'm sorry, not bam, bam yet. Pulls the gun. And then we get that scene where I was like, oh, yeah, this is where the pages got mixed up. This is actually page 17. Next comes 19. Because page 18 would have been where the bulletproof glass comes up. So after he pulls the gun, bulletproof glass, page 18, way back at page 1, technically. And then instead of shooting the bulletproof glass, because that'd be stupid, he shoots the lock on Pollo's cage. Cat goes crazy. Uh, pokes his fucking eyes out and to the brain, like, all in the brain, and, uh, that's, that's it for old, uh, old, uh, Butcher. Meanwhile, D-Bear's like, check it out, or, I, I have respect for you, Tony, uh, the fact that you are, stood toe-to-toe with Mason Savoy and are still standing here, like, that's some shit, dog, I've been watching you, respect. Then, so we kind of, we kind of get a cool moment there. All of a sudden, I like D-Bear. I want to know what old fucking Kobe thinks about that on account of D-Bear's got that arrangement with him. Hmm, gotta give him all that money. Anyways, uh, we go back to a week later, and Amelia's trying to, 
uh, air quotes, feed Tony again by giving her one of her tasty stories that you can digest by reading. Or taste by reading, my bad. And just as he's, he's like, oh, sorry, babe, gotta go again. And she's like, wait a second, hold on, are we gonna go back and forth with this shit? And then you realize that he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Click. Hangs up his old flip phone. He's like, fuck this shit. I'm gonna hang out with my girl. Well, it turns out on the other end of that phone was his partner. Going, dude, we got Savoy cornered. And that's how that chapter ends. Fucking dig that shit. Um, so the first time that Tony decides to neglect his work, kind of a big deal. Alright, let's carry on to chapter three. We start out with the prologue this time, not the end of the book. But we got a prologue. We've got Mason Savoy, who we all recognize, standing next to a figure that is kind of recognizable. But Savoy refers to him as Agent Valenzano. And these two are in some sort of industrial warehouse, and they got a whole bunch of fucking guns pointed at them. So it's those two on a stare down. Mason pulls out his little cane sword, and he just uh, fucking owns. Uh, well, him and uh, Valenzano, the two of them, they just fuck shit up. Um, realize that Mason Savoy, he's pissed off at a failure by the name of um, Montero. And we saw him early back. He was the guy with the frogs and the chicken and whatnot. Well, Mason's all pissed off at him. He's like, I'm going after this son of a bitch because he knew the the, the bird flu, the chicken flu was coming before it all even happened. And he was ahead of the game and blah, blah, blah. So that's that's my mission now. And, yeah. So then, end prologue. Now we get the, the Pulp Plus thing again. Pulp Plus is um, Montero's faux chicken. It's the closest thing to chicken that you could ever taste. Even Amelia Mintz is like, dog, Tony, boyfriend, you gotta have you some of this. Like, tell me this ain't chicken. And then before she can, or before he can, Hobie's like, I know all about chicken. Let me try this shit. Nobody knows chicken more than me. He takes a bite. He goes, mmm, that, uh, that, that's, um, that might be, uh, it's not chicken. No. And Tony takes a bite and he's like, oh no, definitely not chicken. And, well, then he realizes with Tony and his powers what the fuck it is. He's like, dog, this is, uh, this is frickin', frickin' is what he calls it, which would be a uh, frog chicken. And then it flashes over to that gross little industrial Montero Industries. Huh? Remember that place in the first page? Where all that shit's happening? And then we got Montero. And then we get Agent Valenzano standing behind him. He was a hitman guy. The guy that's been communicating. The, the, the guy that took the shot at Tony and missed. Um, yeah, no, he's he's doing his thing. He's standing next to Montero. And I, I like that the first thing <laughs> Montero does is he corrects the, the word frickin' to chog. He goes, I like chog more, but we had to go with Pulp Plus because it's just not as blah, blah, blah. And so they're they're going on and on, and uh, as the as this is pretty much the point where um, Montero is like, all right, we got to take out you because I guess what they're going on and on about is uh, the, uh, Agent Valenzano is like, so somebody knows that this is frog, not chicken, and that's when Montero's like, oh, we got to take that guy out, and Valenzano's like, problem. Fucking FDA. 
And Montero's like, well, I don't care. Go get him. Boom. Door busts open. It's fucking Chew and uh, Colby. Guns barreled. Bar- yeah, guns. Guns barreled. <laughs> guns uh, ready to go. Big old raid coming in. And uh, Montero and Valenzano, they, they run off. They go and fucking, they're running away. Smoke comes in. And last second, and then just as uh, Montero turns around, you see the gun bar- or the gun butt of Valenzano's gun crack him in the head, knock him out. Tony and John catch up, and then they got guns down, or guns pointed at all at each other, and Valenzano's like, y'all fucked up. I'm FDA. I've been undercover for so long. You guys fucked this whole thing up. Shoot, I've been trying to protect you. That gun that blazed by you, I missed on purpose. You really think I would have fucking missed? Oh, God. You guys suck at this. I've been doing everything I can. Because the fact that, oh, you guys fucked me. And Tony's like, well, how do we know your FDA? He's like, fucking Mason Savoy can vouch for me on account of he's my ex-partner. Well, bam. So we know that we got that whole connection there. Tony's like, oh, oh, shit. Uh, that, that was that was you that shot the gun at me and blah 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 and eventually then they get back to uh, headquarters and Applebee's like dude I'm trying so hard to lose my shit on you fucking too but the thing is is you fucked this up you fucked it up hard and from now on everything you do everything you do has to be signed off by me every fucking move peace bitch I hate you again. And Tony's like, oh, wait, before you go, can you sign off on this? And <laughs> uh, he realizes that uh, he's going through Valenzano's files, and he knows that um, uh, Montero has a uh, vacation house, and he could have possibly gone there. So he's pretty much asking for permission to go to this vacation house. Then the last page is that phone call again. Uh, remember how in the, the last issue I talked about Tony goes to make that, or he was, oh, I can't listen to you, Amelia, I gotta take this call, and he ignores it, and then it's Colby going, oh, we got Savoy, well, then we get that same page again, this time it's, you, you actually see Savoy in the house, and FDA swarming, oh, we got him, that's, that's that chapter, so I like how they bounced back and forth and referred, like, different, uh, this, this truly is a, a, a comic that is probably way, way, way better read, and, and volumed, like so. I mean, I'm sure the monthly issues were great, but it's just so much more fun being able to immediately refer to pages that were would have been referred to a month ago, and so it makes it easier to, to digest, I guess. So let's carry on to chapter four. We've got Tony sitting at a restaurant again with this uh, unfamiliar face, but they introduce her as Min Mindy, so Tony's last girlfriend. Turns out this bitch is crazy. Tony didn't know that before he asked her to marry her, though. So that's pretty much what the first few pages are. And when he realizes she's nuts is when he asks her to marry her. He's like, oh, marry me. And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. Fucking, I'm so happy right now. By the way, I got this for you. Hands him a box and it's got a fucking toe in it. That's fucking weird. That'll come in handy later. Uh, Then we go flashes to where it says years later. And we've got a disturbed looking Tony upset about a message that was left on Amelia's answering machine. 
her ex-boyfriend call, and he was like, ah, oh, that Tony Chu, he's a piece of shit, blah, 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 I fucking hate that guy, and you could do better, and nah, nah, nah. and Tony's like, oh, no, this makes me kind of upset, and he's like, oh, no, we cool, um, <laughs> and, uh, so then he's like, well, I, I should probably listen to my messages before we go to bed and get nasty, and then he finally, he finally gets a fucking message from Kobe about Savoy being cornered. He shows up to the scene. Applebee's pissed. He's like, "Dude, we lost communications with two extra uh, teams. They're, they're in there. We've got we've got nothing going on." And Colby's in there. Please save Colby. Will you please save my precious little Colby? So they go in there. Or Tony makes his way in there, and he's like tasting blood along the way to get his clues, and he realizes that Savoy's been in there whooping that ass, just whooping that ass. And then he finds uh, Colby, and he's uh he's pretty fucked up. Pretty fucked up, bleeding from the nose and whatnot, and, uh, <laughs> oh, man, before all that, before Tony gets in and notices all that, we see a page of Savoy, actually, with Kobe, and he's got him pinned down, and he's like, you're lucky I'm letting you go, boy, I'm being really generous, really generous, so that's, that's why Tony is able to find him, because if we all know Mason Savoy at this point, he's not going to leave a survivor unless he wants to, and he did. Well, um, turns out Savoy's got a whole lot of respect for Kobe, because we go, we flash back over to that, this, seriously, this, this comic goes back and forth quite a bit, but it's still very, very easy to understand, like, there's nothing confusing about it, all you gotta do is just get to the page, and you're like, oh, shit, okay. So, yeah, no, he's, uh, we go to the page where Kobe actually confronts Savoy, he's got his gun on him, and... Uh, Savoy, he smooth talks him, essentially. He's like, dude, uh, you probably shouldn't shoot me because I'm actually the one that recommended you be put into the, uh, cyborg program. So you would be a rotten, stinking corpse if it wasn't for me. And Kobe kind of, like, lowers his gun just a wee bit. And Savoy's like, check it out. All this shit's wrong with the fucking poultry thing. All this whole band thing. I want to fix all this. And, it, and then Kobe's like, oh, dude, I totally agree with you. And Savoy's like, I truly, truly respect your copping skills. You cop like a motherfucker, bro. Join my cause. You know, you uh, you could use your, your FDA credentials. Just be on the inside for me. We're not doing anything bad. We're just trying to... We're, we're going against the law, but we're going to expose that the law is fucked. And Co for a second, you think, like, Kobe's going to be cool and... Mason was would have been a dick and, you know, turned on him and shit. It turns out Mason had a good reason for turning on him. He was really just protecting himself because Kobe is like, dude, as good as all that sounds, like, I respect your fucking shit, but you, you ate my friend's ear. You ate it. You ate it. And Kobe's like, for, just so you know, I didn't fucking eat it. I just bit it off because I might eat it later in case he fucking pisses me off. And... Kobe, and then he realizes at that point that Kobe's not going to cooperate. And that's that's what causes him to uh, kick his fucking face in. And then we go back to now times. And we realize that uh, old agent... Oh, shit, what was his name? Uh, Valenzano isn't necessarily completely exed from Savoy. He's, he's still in connection with them. And they're in this monster movie... Uh, kind of going over the the happenings, um, why Colby got a pass from Savoy, and um, pretty much why these people aren't dead yet. And so you, you realize that old Valenzano isn't as straight arrow as he comes off.
What do you know? And then the, the, the ending of the book is Amelia kind of sneaking out of Tony's room. Tony wakes up. He's like, Amelia, where are you? You're gone. This sucks. And he goes and he, uh, you see Amelia, she opens up the freezer and she sees a Ziploc baggie in there or something in there. And she's got this weird look on his face, and that's when he wakes up, and he goes into the kitchen to realize that she's not in the house anymore, and she sees the freezer open, and on the floor is a, a bag of tow. And uh, clear, she clearly realized that Tony hasn't completely let go of his ex, and she left. How fucking sad is that? It's a little bit sad. That's how, uh, that's how chapter four ends. Fucking still good stuff. Carrying on. Let's go to chapter five. It's Thanksgiving. Mm, isn't it? It's not. Uh, so we got Savoy. He's all fancy dressed up and he's got a bunch of all the fixings. He's got lobster and cheese and bread and ham and, uh, and an ear. Yep. I would assume that that's Tony Chu's ear. He's pouring himself a, a nice uh, a layman 1962 bubbly. Hmm. What do you know? I like I like that reference. I didn't catch that reference until I was doing this. Gotta lo- gotta love it. I really do love when the author throws himself into the book. I, I appreciate it as long as it's not too hard where they're a fucking character. But like on a fucking wine label, that's cool. I respect that. So Savoy's eating. He's eating all of his fixings. He toasts to uh, I'm assuming his parents, and he takes a bite of that ear. And, uh, he gets all types of fucking feelings. He gets feelings of, uh... And through these feelings, you could see flashes of Tony's family, everybody around him, all the happenings, even the biting of his ear. Off. And you, you really get... I would say probably too many pages, but I think too many pages kind of just really shows all of the shit that he digested from his ear, mentally. And then we go to part two, where we got Tony walking up to his house, uh, a house, not his house, turns out it's Rosemary Xu Shen and Seng Chen, his uh, older sister and brother-in-law. So at this point, it begins that they mention Thanksgiving, going up to a family's house, I would assume that he's showing up for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, lady hears his doorbell ring, and she yells, Tony! Well, he's got a twin sister, what do you know? I don't, she's a cyberpath, though. Her name is Antoinette. She is a fraternal twin. Fraternal twin. Fraternal ten. <laughs> uh, and we also realize that Rosemary, she does not like her brother. Not one bit. And she's all pissed off that he, uh, um, Antoinette invited her. She still insists on calling herself Tony with an I. She's really infatuated with her brother, seemingly. Um, so they go inside, and then we get to, re- to meet the rest of the family. We've got the grandfather and a, another younger brother. Uh, who is a, uh, a cross-dresser. Huh, I just caught that. Then we got a distant cousin, and some babies, and nephews, and nieces, and, um, we've got the oldest brother, Chow, in the kitchen, making a bird. That's kind of a fucking big deal. They, they mentioned that before he walks in. They're like, oh yeah, Chow's in there cooking a turkey. And Chow fucking chews like, dog, super fucking illegal. But it's, uh, super chef Chow, so what are you gonna do? And at, before they walk in the house, or he, Tony's the last one in the house, and this dude comes up, and he uh, he serves Tony, and it turns out he's being served by his brother. 
for breaking his jaw back on Yamapulu, that island. Remember when he rescued him and just shut him up? He just shut, fucking hit him in the jaw real quick. Well, he's actually being sued. <laughs> and he's in the same house. It's, it's, it's hilarious. So, all that's happening. And then, um, once again, before Tony could actually walk in, we get Amelia and Colby showing up to the party. So they were invited. It's cool that Amelia's not gone. They even get a moment while... while uh, Tony and Amelia are talking in the foreground. In the background, we get Sister Tony and Kobe kind of really just giving each other the, the what's what. And Tony and Amelia are like, yeah, no, it's kind of weird to find your uh, ex-girlfriend still, but I think we can move past this and uh, let's let's still be cool. And in the back, we got um, Sister Tony going, well, who's that chick? Is that your girl? She looks way too good for you. And he's like, no, that's Tony's squeeze. And she's like, what the fuck? And she freaks the fuck out. So, yeah. <laughs> and then they go in, and we meet a character named Olive. And she's there being a teenager, all emoed out on her on her phone. And they don't give a description as to who Olive is at this part. And Tony goes to approach her, and she's like, mm-hmm. or he's like, oh, hi, Olive. He doesn't know how to, how to uh, really how to approach her. And she just goes up the stairs, walks away. Dinner's being served. Uh, and they're like, well, since Chow usually gives the, the says grace, why, uh, And but he's got a broken jaw. Tony, you should say grace. So he's in the process of doing his damnedest to say grace, and you hear this loud crash outside. There's a fucking, there's, there's a car accident. Tony, being a cop that he is, he goes out to help the guy in the mangled, or one of the people in the mangledness. And the guy looks up past Tony, and he's like, what the fuck is that? And Tony's like, what? And he looks up, and you see all this, like, red, crazy, ziggy-zagginess going on in the sky. Definitely something, I don't know, I would, I would say it's of magical sorts or something. Paranormal, maybe? A whole new fucking aspect to this book. But that's not how it ends. It actually ends with the family, all kind of, or parts of the family, all gathered in the street looking up and then Olive comes out and she grabs Tony by the arm and with Amelia standing there Tony's like Amelia this is Olive my daughter and that's how it fucking ends as if all of that like the crazy voodooness in the sky wasn't enough dog guys nerds geeks readers choose amazing it's it's still is there's so much going on in this book it's it's so interesting. Uh, just when you think you have it all figured out, he th- uh, John Lehman throws another wrench in. Rob Guillory's art is nothing. It's fucking incredible all throughout. There's for for me to comment on it uh, in detail or in detail manner. I said all that wrong. Would be just it'd be wasting your time. The fact is, it doesn't it doesn't get worse. It just continues to astonish. It's amazing. It yeah. The storytelling, on the other hand, is. That does continue to just grow and amaze, and uh, I, I, I hope you're as intrigued as to what the fuck's going to happen in Volume 4, and I promise I will uh, I will get that out to you here soon, guys, in the next couple of weeks, at, uh, yeah, at the most. So, thank you all for joining me on another edition of Trade Negotiations. The buzz this podcast was brought to you by Lagunitas Ale. 12th of never. So, I've I've been enjoying it. Um 
for the podcast listeners out there. Just a reminder, you can find the, the video version of this on YouTube now, so just do the internets and cheers to comics and the YouTubes and you'll find me. Uh, other than that, listeners, you guys know where to subscribe. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, all of that good stuff. So, thank you so much, nerds, for joining me on another edition, and uh, I'll see you next time. Cheers.